I think last night you're up 1-0, easy victory in game one. Embiid is ailing, you know he's got the stomach issues. So I think they just relaxed and didn't bring their best game. But I thought he got exposed a little bit by Al Horford. And, and Al Horford did this to Joel Embiid last year in the playoffs. The NBA's own data says the Warriors have gotten the beneficial whistle. The publicly available data says there were three blown calls in the final two minutes of that basketball game. Chris Broussard here, and welcome to the brand new Hoops on Fox podcast. This podcast will give you your daily dose of all things NBA from Fox Sports, including the best content from Skip and Shannon, Nick Wright, plus special guests, fresh NBA content from myself, post-game interviews from NBA stars around the league, and much, much more. Don't forget to subscribe and leave a five-star review. Up first, Chris Broussard joins Skip and Shannon to break down the 76ers' crucial Game 2 win over the Raptors. What shot do you give Philly to win the series? I give Philly a good shot to win this series because I pick Philly to win <laughs> the entire Eastern <laughs> Conference. My biggest concern is the knee of one Joel Embiid because I think it's become, that's what I've been told, arthritic. It's like an Andrew Bynum knee. Ooh. It requires treatment all day and all night just to, to take enough of the pain, enough of the sting out of it that he can try to participate in the basketball game. And he said he's up to six treatments a day, and I don't think he's exaggerating. He told Jackie McMullen that. I read that. Yeah. And I do think they're doing everything in their power just to get him ready for tip-off. And I think his team is, 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 is really feeding off his mental toughness because I do love this team's mental toughness. The weird part about this team is it needs its backs completely pushed to the wall before you see the mental toughness. But you saw it last night because they knew it was double jeopardy because Joel had a stomach virus on top of the balky knee. Mm -hmm. And he sucked it up and gutted it up and played 32 minutes and gave him all of 12 points and six rebounds. But late in the game with about, what was it, 30 seconds left, he made a big spin basket on Gasol, and I think it really lifted his team because it stopped the bleeding for right. a second. It lifted them from up one to back up three, and then Danny Green missed at the other end. I love Danny Green. Sorry he's stuck up there with number two in Toronto. But he ain't stuck nowhere. Stop him, but he's stuck. <laughs> he should still be a spur, actually. He was chronically in Pop's doghouse. Now he should be in somebody else's doghouse, I guess, after last <laughs> night. One for eight, one for six from three, and missed that one. But the point was... We saw classic Philadelphia blue-collar grit and toughness and tenacity mm -hmm. because that team went out and locked down on defense and held number two's team in Toronto to 89 points, crushed them on the backboards 53 to 36. And Jimmy Butler, I said yesterday on the show, he has to take more than 14 shots, and he took 22 shots. And he scored 30 points, and he scored 17 in the second half, and he scored 12 in the fourth quarter. Mm -hmm. They acquired him to close, and he finally closed a crucial game for them and put them back in command of this series. Now, do they, can they stand prosperity? Can they go home and hold serve at home? It's all about Joel's knee, and I can't predict it. I think he'll get over his stomach virus. He will not get over his quote-unquote knee virus because that's, that's an issue. But I did appreciate Ben Simmons. He was statistically nowhere last night with six points. But... He did take number two last night, and I do think he made him sweat, and he kept him from dunking on Philly. He kept him from just attacking the rim. 
the way he can when he gets in a flow. And he made him take 10 threes, and he made three of them. And that was a big difference in the game. Make five of them. Yeah. Huh? He's gonna make five. Okay. Well, you want some? He held he held Kawhi to thirty-five. Okay. That was okay. What did he score last game? Forty-five. Thank you. Was that? He's averaging forty. forty. He averaging forty. Yeah, but I like it if you make him shoot. He he is a good defender. Yeah. Ben is a good. He is a good defender, and Jimmy Butler can't really hang with number two, but. But, well, it yeah. takes so much out of him, Skip. Yeah. I mean, to, to, and that's why you see a lot of times the star players, and, and, and well, Michael Jordan didn't know he didn't. Scottie Pippen always took the toughest offensive player for the opposing team. That's what Scottie Pippen did. So let the truth be told, Skip, baby. Let be told when it was the fourth quarter, Michael said, <laughs> I, I got him. We go, I got we, him. I, I'm, I'm done. We're moving on. We're moving, we're, <laughs> yeah. I'm moving on. Don't but anyway, let the facts get in the way. If you're going to tell me Serge Ibaka is going to have two points, Van Fleet's going to play 18 minutes, have zero points, but he's a minus in the plus minus of 18, and Norman Powell's going to have, what, three points? They, they got... He Skip, they, big shot. Skip, they got five points from the bench. Right. The Raptors bench, Van Fleet. Is, That's a woo, strength of theirs. Is it's Serge Ibaka. Woo! Hmm. And they gave you five. The Greg, Man, you Greg Monroe looked like he was playing, and all of a sudden yeah. he couldn't play anymore because he turned his ankle. How about um, Mike Scott? And where did play Jer- last night? Where, nope, where, where, where Jeremy Lin? Hmm. I thought you got him, you know, he, because of the points. Skip, you said Play something. Him. You said about Embiid's knee. I don't know how it gets better. I don't either. In this series. Because the games come, the games are coming. Yeah. Great. Okay, you get two days. But that's still 300-plus pounds yeah. running up and down the court, bouncing up and down. You're hoping if, you're hoping for maintenance, yeah, ra- rather than, right. than total improvement. And so basically, and you're also hoping that you can close this out early. Yep. You don't want to be going, you know, six, seven games no. in every series because it, it's going to catch up. He has to play skip. He can't sit down like he did with the Nets. And if you look at all the other teams, you look at Jimmy Butler played almost mm-hmm. 43 minutes. Ben played almost four, played 44 and a half minutes. Yep. Their big guys are playing multiple minutes, but Embiid down to the 28. He played 34 last night. I don't know how they're going to win this series if he can't give them more minutes and more production than what he gave them last night. True. Skip, I give uh, Philly a 20% chance Mm -hmm. to win this series. Mm -hmm. I would be stunned if they won this series. And I know all the talent they have. And look, last night they showed grit. They showed heart. They made some adjustments. They're a tough team. Mm -hmm. They're not soft. But I don't think they're mentally tough. Like, I I don't mean... They're not mentally soft. I guess I don't think they play intelligent basketball. Okay. I, and I saw I, I'll it. give you that, but I do yeah. think they're they have a deep mental They're a tough, yeah, to fight through the injuries yeah. and play. Yes. Yeah, they're and Jimmy Butler is tough mentally and physically. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. He is a great player for all I'll, the I'll issues. I'll buy your intelligent basketball. Yeah, I, yeah, and that's where I think it's going to bite them. I thought it bought, bit them last year against Boston. Mm-hmm. And I think it, even last night it darn near bit them. Mm-hmm. They were up 11 with five they and a half up. minutes left. Get outscored 17 to 7. Mm-hmm. If that game goes a minute longer, they they might probably lose, I think. Mm-hmm. And I just don't think they're that they play intelligent. And I think at the end of the day, that's gonna bite them. I think yesterday, as much hard as they showed, I put that loss more on Toronto's lack of focus. Mm-hmm. They relaxed. Toronto is a team, we know their past history with DeMar DeRozan leading them. They're different now. However, Kawhi and Danny Green. I I feel like for them, even though they've won championships, this is the first time they've been like the leaders. Like, even though Kawhi became the best player in San Antonio, Pop is the man in that system. 
So it, it, Pop is the leader. He's the man. Now Kawhi is really, this is the first time I'm the man. Right. And, I, I, and I think at times they relax, like Orlando the first game of that series. Yep. I think last night you're up 1-0, easy victory in game one. Embiid is ailing. You know he's got the stomach issues. So I think they just relaxed and didn't bring their best game. Next, Nick and CeCe examine the non-calls in game one of the Rockets Warriors and look ahead to tonight's game two. Nick, will officiating continue to be the headline, do you think, in this series? I hope not, and I hope the officials call the game the way they've been calling it throughout the year, at least to a, a degree similar to how they've been calling the landing zone throughout the year. But Steve Kerr's right, by the way, if they watch the tape. There weren't 10 calls, missed calls that went against the Warriors. There were actually 11. According to the NBA's own data, there were 11 blown calls that hurt the Warriors. The problem is there were 17 according to the NBA's own data, that hurt the Rockets of obvious missed calls. So that's a plus six difference. That means now, officially, according to the NBA's data, in seven of the eight playoff games these teams have played, including six consecutive, dating back to game two of last year's Western Conference Finals, the NBA's own data says the Warriors have gotten the beneficial whistle. The publicly available data says there were three blown calls in the final two minutes of that basketball game. Two fouls on Steph Curry, which would have been his sixth and seventh foul, one of which after bumping James Harden out of bounds, he taunted James Harden by pointing at the sideline. That would have been his sixth foul. And then a seventh foul on the one that Chris Paul ended up getting the technical and thrown out of the game on. So, I mean, listen, it, it is kind of amazing to me for the head coach of the Golden State Warriors, a team that employs Draymond Green, a team that in consecutive years has led the league in technicals, a team that in consecutive years has had the player who leads the league in technicals is going to say, we shouldn't be complaining about the officials. But I hope officiating isn't the storyline moving forward, but it justifiably was the storyline of game one. It was one of the storylines. Um, the, the problem is not with, because everyone in the NBA complains. If I have one complaint about the NBA, is the players complain too much on the court. No one's committed a foul in NBA history. I don't know an NBA player that back when you used to, when, in high school and in college, when they called a foul on you, you used to have to raise your hand and be like, oh, that foul's on me, so the scorekeeper and everything be able to keep track of it. Now, they got two hands raised every time. Who, me? Like it, I mean, all NBA players are bad. So this is just not a James Harden thing. This is not Houston Golden State. Golden State complains about the referees every sure. single game. The biggest problem here is, is Houston going to be able to get its focus back? Because, Nick, you talked about last year's playoff. We know who the world champ was. Don't nobody care about that storyline. Oh, in five of the seven games, the whistle went to the Rockets. Well, you know something? People don't care. People care about winning. So the Rockets, they need to get off the officials and worry about what adjustments they're going to make. How can I get Clinton Capella to take advantage of his size against these Warriors? Those are the things going to decide this series. How can I get P.J. Tucker more shots than Shumpert and or um, House is shooting? Because yep. last game, they shot the same number of shots. So for me, those are the things more important than worrying about the refereeing because I believe, just like all referees, they're human, they got bosses, there will be a correction made. And I don't want them to call it like they did during the regular season. 
I want them to referee like they're refereeing all the other games. Right. Where guys are able to shoot three-pointers and to build the land, and I believe that will occur in tonight's game. So that's an interesting point. I mean, how, how do the players go into this game and take all that stuff out of it. How does Houston put together a game plan to beat the Warriors, if, regardless of what the officiating? When you go to be? shoot tonight, you can't be worrying about a guy sliding course, up under you. Of course. And if they have spent all this time, they got their front office, they got their coaches, if they got their players, we're going to find out tonight. Did they make any adjustments? Because the refs will make adjustments based on the way game one was called. And to answer your question, how can they win tonight? I believe, and I think if you watch the game, you, I think most people believe they played well enough to win game one. They, I don't think they need to make a major adjustment. Now, they need to hit open corner threes. They missed a bunch of open corner threes. Chris Paul, I think, to the thing you harped on yeah, yesterday. They do, I mean, he, they, from an offensive standpoint, they do have to make some major adjustments. I, I guess we're going to disagree on the term major. I think it's the only major adjustments I would make if is Clint I try Capella, to get more lobs if, to Capella. If Clinton Capella takes two shots. Yes. They, okay. Agree. What about P.J. Tucker? So, P.J. Tucker is the only shots he takes are corner threes. It's He's the best corner three shooter in the league. He's out there for his defense. And to shoot wide open corner threes in that game on Sunday afternoon, he had three wide open corner threes. He missed all three. Like, P.J. Tucker is not a volume shooter. He's he only took four shots, Nick. He's I have, a starter. I, like, See, I understand it, but they are the. the he will take as many open corner threes as they okay. have. I, and if they don't score... If they don't score buckets, if they don't balance their offense, if they if Chris Paul is not aggressive, Chris Paul only took nine shots. Now, these are major adjustments if the Rockets are going to continue because what they did during the regular season, just like Milwaukee, sometimes that does not work in the postseason. If they don't have balance, I believe they go back home 0-2. So, the, the I mean, during the regular season, they didn't have balance. During the regular season, they now, were... I just said that, uh -huh. but that doesn't work in the playoffs. It okay. didn't work in this game. Okay. But we'll see. The game will be played tonight. Well, listen, I, if you are expecting the Rockets to come out, I feel like we had this exact conversation when the Rockets fell down against the Warriors last year. Two, in fact, I know we did when they were down 1-0 and they were down 2-1. Too much ISO ball. Why are they playing this way? They play how they play. Like, and and if, that, if that style can't beat the Warriors, maybe it can't beat the Warriors. Well, this is the big difference. Mm -hmm. They weren't playing against the Hampton Five. Steve Kerr showed you his hand. They got the Hampton Five out there. Okay, well, let's pound them in the middle. Because for every move, there's a counter move. In the playoffs, there's adjustments. Every team makes them. I believe Houston will make some significant adjustments to be able to try to get the win in game number two. See, last year, uh, until Iguodala went out with the injury, they were absolutely playing against the Hampton Five. It was the same team, even if it wasn't the team. Even if they didn't start the lineup in game one with the Hampton Five, they ultimately went to it. And the only plays at the rim the Rockets are going to have are James Harden drives and Clint Capella lobs. We are in agreement that Clint Capella should get more lobs, that in game one, Harden was still, it seemed like, had the visions of Rudy Gobert in his mind. But if you are expecting tonight the Rockets to play a different style than they played for three years, it's not what's going to happen. They Now, do they need to be more efficient? Yes, they need to make more shots. But they're not going to change how they play. Like, we, we have 200 games of information right. and multiple playoff series against the Warriors showing they're not going to change how they play. What about the Warriors, CeCe? Do they start the same starting five? Do you want to see any adjustments made from them since that's a game they definitely could have lost? I think the Warriors, are they realize that's their best lineup. And Steve Kerr said, I'm going to put them out there as many minutes as possible. The biggest difference now is Iggy seems a little bit healthier. 
He's playing great defense, and when they get the pick and rolls and the switches, he is great at the pick and roll on the defensive end. Draymond Green, it talked about it, man. He lost 20 pounds since earlier in the season. You could see his initial quickness, his burst, how he's engaged in the game. Like, they are major difference makers for them. They don't have much of a bench, so they can't get into foul trouble, but that's what I expect with Golden State. Clay didn't play well in game one. Steph didn't Steph play didn't. well nope. in game. So there's a, there's a higher level that the Warriors can go to, and that's the reason why they're back-to-back -back champs. There's no question they can. the Warriors can go to a higher level. The Rockets are going to defensively once again, no matter – Steph could have six bad games in a row. They are going to give the lion's share of attention to Steph Curry to make sure to try to run him off the three-point line. He still took ten threes in game number one, even though he was the focus of their defense. Kevin Durant took 25 shots, not counting shots he was fouled on. 22 of them were inside the three-point line. They are going to – if Kevin Durant's going to shoot contested twos, which he's probably the best in the league at contested twos, the Rockets are going to live with it. Yeah. So defensively – I believe they'll have a very similar game plan. Offensively, they'll try to get Capella more involved on the lobs, but I don't think the Rockets are going to change who they are. I think they're going to hope they actually, Daniel House, Shump, P.J. Tucker, those guys hit their shots and that they get some of these calls they didn't get in game. No, I don't expect the Rockets to change who they are, but if you're going to be a championship team, you have to have a number of ways that you can win. And with them having the small lineup out there to start the game, it would be able to send a message from a physicality standpoint because I care about the analytics, but basketball is a game of matchups. They don't have anyone to protect the rim. So I would try to take more shots at the rim, than, especially early in the game, than I typically would. Now, I know teams, games are about styles. Fights are about styles and about matchups. So I expect Houston ultimately to get back to what they do, but they have a huge size advantage. And if they don't take advantage of that in this series, it will be two straight years where they might have had a better team, but they went home with the same result. Now, Katino Mobley joins Willock and Wiley to break down Giannis's struggles in game one. I want to overheat and overreact, but I thought he got exposed a little bit by Al Horford. And, and Al Horford did this to Joel Embiid last year in the playoffs. I, I don't expect him to be an MVP per performer during it's, this series. It's very, it's very, uh, go ahead, go ahead. No, uh, no go ahead. No, it's, go it's ahead. just, it's just very, it's, it's very tricky because Al Horford, yes, is a great defender. Great role player, great star, blah, 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 whatever you want to call him. But it's the Boston Celtics defense which helped Al Horford be at the top of the line with Joel Embiid because Al Horford can't guard him by himself. Right. When you see Giannis, look at that. Al Horford's not by himself. Those guys are swallowing in. So it makes Giannis make different moves, right? So now Al Horford can get back in front of him, can tip the ball, deflect or whatever. I'm not saying Al Horford is, um, is not a good defender. He's a really good defender. But Giannis is a hard, you need a team for him. And that's what Boston has is a team. And that's what Joel Embiid last year suffered because Boston Celtics, that Brad Stevens defense, you have the majority of that team that can play defense. Yeah, Literally, they, starters and the guys that come off the bench. They had a lot of players. tremendous uh, help defense, especially baseline support. Well, like mm -hmm. you said, making yep. them do different moves. Yes. They know what you yes. like to do, Giannis. Yes. You like to spin into that baseline. So not exposed. Yeah. Well, he got exposed. Uh, yeah. yeah. And he, <laughs> no. Well, the, the league has exposed almost everyone. Yeah. If you can't shoot. Seven games. Like, score. Did he make, like, three threes yesterday? I'm not sure if he made three threes, but a lot of his shots, think about it, a lot of his shots 
where shots he usually makes. It's just that the rhythm of them mm -hmm. is different. The rhythm of them is you playing Boston now. They sucking in the paint. So you can't just get to the basket, dunk it, get to the free throw line really quick, get your rhythm, and shoot a 15-footer so, so Al Horford can come up to you and you can get past them. The, they threw his rhythm off. I don't think they exposed him the way. He has to come back and think, and he says, now what I have to do is I have to pass it to my guys faster. So then now when they make their shots, I got out by myself because those defenders won't help him as fast as they will. They were sinking in that paint on him, yeah. which makes him look like he wasn't knowing what he was doing. But it's, once he adjusts his second game, you can tell more, I think. It's tough to out-athlete in playoff basketball. Yeah. What you have to do is, is really out-shoot. I mean, we even have moved from outscoring to out-shoot. Think about it. Uh, Dame Dollar versus Russell Westbrook. Mm -hmm. Say what you want. It comes in, too. Can you shoot better at yeah. your, the MVP of your team? Durant, you know, versus the Clippers. And now you see it against the Rockets. You see it with Kyrie Irving. Like, can you shoot? Because if not... We could condense around you and force them to shoot. And if they're role players, plus, yeah. they're not going to perform as well. And it's just a situation like that that Giannis is getting exposed as we kind of been whispering. He needs to work on that jump shot offseason. Yeah. Well, offseason is going to come a little sooner. Yeah. <laughs> I, I would say more so, and look, he does have to. He's a young guy. He will elevate his game. Mm -hmm. But more than anything, don't you think they got to elevate the personnel around him? For sure. That, that's the number one thing. I'm It's just one game. But if, if Boston takes them out in five or six games or even seven games, I think it's a clear deal. Like, if Giannis is going to stay in Milwaukee, y'all better get him some support. Following Kendrick Perkins joined Skip and Shan to dissect Rockets Warriors game two. I'm so tired of hearing this. <laughs> That's seriously. Like, we keep talking about the officiating, right? The Rockets had days. Of, first of all, the Rockets haven't been playing well the last four games, even the last two games of the Utah series. Right. All right. So then you go into Golden State. First of all, in order to beat the champs, you have to beat the champs. Mm -hmm. It's just like boxing. You're going against Floyd Mayweather, you have to knock Floyd out. You can't take it to the decision. Right. Doc Rivers told us, told me, told us a long time ago, never put the hand, never put the game in the hands of the referees. Mm -hmm. The Rockets had several opportunities to win that basketball game. Um, you know, they were in the bonus with less than seven minutes to go in the fourth quarter. I remember Eric Gordon attacked the paint. He got an and one. Uh, he came down, he attacked the paint again, got an easy layup. James Harden came down the next play. He got fouled, went to the free throw line, and it was a possession by possession game. And all of a sudden, they keep taking these three-pointers, mm. which I'm cool with if they not contested in wide open threes. But at the end of the day, they had several opportunities to win this game. Capella was a no-show, and I'm a big fan of Capella. Yeah. He said he wanted the Warriors. <laughs> he called it out, and he didn't come in and perform. P.J. Tucker, they have to find a way to get him a couple easy baskets. I mean, if you look at Golden State, you look at Steve Kerr, uh, the first play of the game, you know who they ran to play for? Golden State did? They ran it for Draymond. Mm -hmm. They got Draymond going. They got him an easy basket. You know why? Because it strokes your role player ego. Mm -hmm. It strokes his, and then he ended up with 14, 9, and 9. Who, he ended up being the second best player that game uh, on Golden State right behind Kevin Durant. So run the ease, get PJ involved, get him a couple easy looks, and then next thing you know, he give you five offensive rebounds and he take five charges. So I'm sick of hearing about all this, the referees blew the game. No, the Rockets blew the game. They had several opportunities to win and they didn't capitalize. Okay, I'm going to give you this. These are the two whiniest teams in the history of pro basketball to me, both of them. <laughs> Correct. But you're asking Houston to change who Houston is because you're saying just start attacking the basket. Don't take so many threes. 
when they, they shattered records for threes taken and threes made. It's who they are. It's what they do. They get James Harden going from three, and they get him to the free throw line. Mm-hmm. So you you can't. I, I get if you go right through the play by play, they they were they were having big success getting to the basket. Right. But they were getting frustrated because they couldn't get any calls at the three point line that they deserved to get. Because I thought they had six non calls at the free throw line that got called for them all year long. And suddenly the referees are just looking the other way when you when you're facing Golden State, and this is the NBA Finals to me. The, one of these teams is going to win the finals, so I think it it mentally crushed them. They they let Golden State rough up James Harden. They they pushed him around. They beat him up. They knocked him off his spots. They got away with a lot of hip check or butt check. Fouls. They're the champs, Skip. Yeah. They're the champs. All right. I mean, so, they're the so champs. they deserve to get away with I'm just near saying, murder. I'm just saying, man. They're the champs, man. You got to beat the champs, okay. man. You so can't. how do you beat them? What, what are you saying? Get more open threes or just attack more? I mean, that's not. I mean, they're three. They're, they're bad shots. I mean, it's not like they're wide open threes like these. But are. they're a bad shot taking team. <laughs> James right. Harden just take oh, every three oh, okay, he takes. So, so they didn't learn this from Game Seven of last year. Mm-mm. No. Well, they they, came they out got of, robbed in. Yeah, uh, true. Uh, no, they didn't learn anything from Game 7 because guess what they've done, Skip? They came out and attempted more and made more threes this year than they, they did. Took, <laughs> made last year. That's And I agree. There were times there were opportunities like, okay, the three ball's not falling. Right. And we said this in Game 7 last year. Drive the ball to the basket. Let's see if we can get a layup and a foul. Well, Houston's looking at it. Well, if you're not calling the foul on my shot, what makes me think you're going to call the foul if I'm going to the basket? Mm. A foul is a foul, regardless of where it happens on yeah. the court. Mm. And so James is getting frustrated. Chris Paul's getting frustrated. But at some point in time, you got to stop arguing, bickering with them and deal with Kevin Durant that's on the court. Absolutely. And so we, we, I believe you made a point about Clint Capella saying, and, and we Skip and I talked about this earlier, I want the Warriors because we had them last year. Okay, you want them. Can you give me more than four points and six boards? Exactly. Can you do that? You're going against Draymond. You must punish him on the offensive end. I, I couldn't even recognize Clint Capella on Sunday. I didn't know. Mm-hmm. Again, they said he had two viruses at the same time last night. No, I've never heard of that before. I haven't but either. But he couldn't catch it. He couldn't hold on to rebounds. He just looked lost. Well, didn't they fly out there a couple of days early and disrespect the Clippers? They did. Yeah. Right? So, well, I mean. You, you can argue. Okay, so, but my thing is, okay, cool. You want the cause, but I could go back and look at the game and see several times when KD shot the ball, he didn't have a place to land. Mm-hmm. Guys were under him. He right. didn't complain. Mm-hmm. He just went and got a bucket. Right. As in, being in, the best player in, in the world, he went and got a bucket. Second best, but okay, go ahead. But is he, wait a well, second. I mean, right wait, wait, is he the, wait, is he the first best or the second best player in the world? Right now. Right now, right, right. here, right oh, now. Oh, yeah, right, right now, because you know the other guy, the other guy, he on vacation. Well, well, listen, listen. We'll get into that later. But <laughs> listen, right now, Kevin Durant is. is the best player in the world. He is. Right? And by the way, you played with him for a long time in Oklahoma City. Yes. And and what did did you see this coming? Did you did, did you see another level or two for him? And the crazy thing, it's another level. Hmm. Yeah. If KD was to get his own team, it would be really. You think? Yeah, oh, yeah. Another, one more level. Yeah, it's another level. Whew. It's another level. Whoa. Something look forward Ever to. seen anything like him? Get any shot, any place. He's he's already the best offensive player we ever seen. Ever. Ever in NBA history. Mm. It's, just, not, it's nothing he can't do. Just because he's seven feet tall and what, shoots it. With handles, yeah. mid-range, dunk on you, heads he tray ball. 
Oh, that. That, that, that's what that's I got everybody messed up. They had the trade. When you play him for the trade, now he go by you and poke on you. Yeah. So, I mean, he had fundamentally offensively, I agree. There is nothing he can't do. We've never seen anybody that big, that skilled. Because mm-hmm. normally seven-footers back in the 60s and 70s, they played with their back against the basket. Mm-hmm. And then here come Dirk in the uh, mid-90s. And then Kevin Durant take Dirk. He Dirk 2-3.0. Sure. <laughs> he, right. he took what Dirk did to a whole different level. There's no question about it. And now he's playing. Because we've seen games like the first game of Patrick Beverly, like, why why you let Patrick Beverly do this? He's like, I can, you know, I can shoot over Patrick Beverly. I might shoot 43%. Then again, I might do this. He said, you know what? Man, I'm finna go ahead and take this series over. What'd he say? I'm Kevin Durant. I'm Kevin Durant. You, you know I'm Kevin Durant, right? I mean, for a man to say, you know who I am. We all know. You, you, mm. And then go out there and back it up. Mm. I mean, he's on a mission. Mm-hmm. He's out to show. I think this series, he, I mean, this, this, these playoffs. <laughs> Is that when he says, "This is where," because you know, we the first time he beat LeBron in Cleveland, scale, we we're like, "Okay, he passed short." LeBron like, "Nah, I did average a triple double." And then the next year, like, "Nah," but there's no he, LeBron. He did the same thing the next right. year. And so now he's like, "I don't know what else I can do. Mm-hmm. I'm about to three peat this thing, three MV, three Finals MVP. Mm-hmm. What? So, so I mean, the next thing is go get his own team and average forty points, right? Oh, I, I believe. I don't know if he's gonna take enough shots to average forty. And he's not going to take the bad shots like James Harden. He's not going to take See, that J- You know, James will go three from 18 from, from three, and like it ain't nothing. He'll shoot, mm-hmm, you know, right. 11 for 36. Yep. And like it is. Kevin, that's not how Kevin's not- wired. Finally, Chris Bruce Art is with Colin Coward to explain why Jimmy Butler would be a great addition to the Lakers. Broussard, former New York Times, odd couple, Fox Sports Radio, my guy, the NBA voice of this network, Chris Broussard. First of all, the Houston Rockets leak some sort of memo and it ends up at the other place. Now it's a national story right before the game tonight. This feels, I mean, I I don't think I'm overstating it here. It feels like more manipulation from now organizationally toward the leak. If I'm Adam Silver, I am not happy with this this morning. It's gone too far. It's gone too far. And beyond Adam Silver being bothered by it, if I'm sick of it, if you're sick of it, How do you think the officials and the Warriors will be? When you see Steve Kerr go out in a press conference, Steve Kerr, and mock an opponent the way he did with James Harden, that shows you how upset and focused he and his players will be. The Warriors' problem all season long has been lack of focus, boredom, complacency. Yeah. You're not going to see that. I'm picking them to win tonight. I don't th- I'm don't. i not saying it's going to be an easy series. Oh, you like Houston but tonight? I, no, no. I like I, uh, the Golden I State I like tonight. the Warriors tonight, too. Yes, because they're not going to lose focus in this series. One, because of how good Houston is. But two, because this is they're sick of the talk about the refs. And this has gone from gamesmanship, which we get. Phil Jackson did that. Right. Throw it out there a little bit, you know, put something in the ref's head. But this has gone from that to belittling us. Now you're saying, oh, we shouldn't have won our title last year. Now you're questioning our greatness. You already got Clint Capella running his mouth all the time. And now you're basically insulting us and saying we're not that good. We only won last year because of the refs. I think you're going to get a great performance from Golden State tonight. I totally agree. By the way, in that in that memo that got leaked, did they put in the fact they were 0 for 27 right, on threes? They forgot that part. <laughs> there, there's a Michael Jordan in the 98 finals. Uh, he said he stopped talking to the referees. I remember this. Right, because 
We have, I think okay. we have a clip. So we have the This is Michael Jordan in 98, who, by the way, it's not like Michael never complained about calls. Magic constantly right. chirped to refs. All right, that's Michael Jordan saying, when we mouth off to the refs, we're giving away free points. They, they may call something that really they wouldn't have called before, whether it's a technical or a regular foul, whatever. If they were going to do that with Michael Jordan, they were wearing Jordan's sneakers in their off time, right? <laughs> they were asking for autographs after games. How do you think they're going to respond, even if it's on a subconscious level? Sure. To James Harden and Chris Paul and all these guys running their mouth, not only during the game, but now I got to hear your GM. By the way, did you notice in the Rockets' memo to the NBA that they mentioned – I talked about this yesterday. I'm not sure you did, but I talked about it yesterday. Joy was here. I said veteran officials are generally in all sports uh, less inclined to be uh, uh, swayed. Right. The NBA's got 70 officials or close to it. Only 30 of them work the playoffs, and then it gets down to about. Then it get down to about 20 by this time of the year. Yep. So the bottom line is you're dealing with the best officials and veteran officials. And Houston noted that. Uh, the veteran officials have right. a bias. <laughs> I would say the veteran officials lack bias and, and just aren't going to deal with your chirping. I, I totally agree. And here's the flip side of it, too, or, or another element. Scott Foster, we know his yeah. history with the, with the Rockets. Doesn't, yeah. You know, has had issues with Chris Paul and James Harden in the past. He's doing the game tonight. I'm not worried about Scott Foster, but I wonder with the Rockets – could this get in their head? The officiating has become such a big deal for them. And Chris Paul, as, as much as I respect him, you see he gets uh, emotionally oh, un unwound he at times. He got hinged the other yeah, day. Yeah, that's like, dude, what are you doing? And I wonder if it's going to mess with them, just the fact that they know, oh, we got Scott Foster now. You know we're not getting any calls. What Houston has to do is they have to get that out of their mind. And secondly, read the game. First quarter, you will know how they're calling stuff. And again, I agree with them that Clay was in landing space. But if that's happening tonight, tonight and they're not calling it, adjust. Just say, okay, they're not going to give us these calls. We have to play through it. And if we get them, great, but we're not going to worry about that. We have to play our game. So we'll see how tough mentally the Rockets are. Cannot. Tonight's great. I get Milwaukee, Boston. Oh, great night. Oh. And then I get Golden State, Houston. Tonight's one of the best NBA nights of the year. You're going to get two great games. Only thing, only thing to be honest with you, this month is missing is LeBron in the playoffs. NBA's all the teams I like to watch are there. Now stay there. I want to talk about the Sixers. They got big decisions about Portland doing something last night that drove me crazy. Chris Broussard, don't go anywhere. But I want to get to this. Um, you know, I've said before, I've made my kind of comments known about Westbrook, a great transformative talent, but I think there's limitations how far he can get you. I think he plays in a tunnel. I think there's a certain rigidity to him, and I think this year you've come a little bit toward my side, that you love him more than I do, but there is a certain rigidity. So, And I think the franchise is walking on eggshells around him because it's a small market. So Sam Presti comes out after the season ended, and this is classic Sam Presti in Oklahoma City, terrified of Westbrook. The quote is, and there's a reason so many people are in this room today. Russell has helped us achieve a certain level. Okay. Then he goes on to say, well, he's not perfect. None of us are. Obviously, don't qualify it. Then he goes on to say, I I'm not going to let 11 years of contributions be overshadowed by a couple of pretty tough months. It's not a pretty tough months. It's three years, first-round exits, three years, 
and four total playoff wins. I think this is classic Presty. And by the way, Russell Westbrook in his, is, is Presty said, among other things, Russell's changed. I see growth. But here was Russell's exit interview. He was actually in a very good mood. So I like when he, he talked. He was at the happiest I've seen him forever. It's almost like the stress of the season was done. He's happy. He does feel like the season stress is off his shoulder. That's the happiest he's been. But what he's saying is, I am what I am. Well, the issue is three years, four wins. We want you to understand that some of what you are can be a little enigmatic or problematic for the franchise and teammates. So what do you make of that whole thing? Well, when you look at though that press conference juxtaposed against the ones in the playoffs, okay, after every game, that is what you need to know about Russell Westbrook. That's the problem, if you will. He can't turn it on and off, okay? During the game, he's on, and he's playing 110 miles an hour every single game, every single minute of the game. That's why he can rack up the triple doubles, but that's also why he doesn't play the minute 46 differently than minute 16, and that's a problem for them. You saw it in the press conferences in the playoffs – He's still in game mode. He can't turn it off. So he's all amped up. He's got his game face on. He's mad. He's not answering questions. Now that the season is over, he's he can go, he can turn it off. And that's what you saw. By all accounts, Russ is a nice guy. Yeah, this is Paul George has raved about. He got George to stay. Yes, this is it. When Russell comes into the phone booth of the arena and he puts that cape yes. on, he's got, he has got this is Russell. If you talk to people outside the arena, he's two people. He really is. He's like right. nice, fashionable, fun, great dad, Russ. He enters that arena, and it is just, it's like a and, boxer with no jab. Right. He's, just going he's, he's doing haymakers. And just like he can't turn it off in the game or in the press conference, he can't turn it off in the game, and that's the challenge. As far as Sam Presti's comments, I'm fine with that publicly because obviously you don't come out and just blast your, your franchise Of course. Player. So you you I I'm fine with the sugar coating and the you walking on eggshells and all that, but behind closed doors, as long as you're telling him the truth, he is right. They've been talking with Russ about this for years, understanding time and score, pace of play. That's why Mo Cheeks is there as an assistant. I mean, Mo Cheeks was one of the most poised point guards we've ever seen. Sure was. He totally knew how to play that way. So you know how frustrating it can be for him when Russ doesn't get it. The thing is, is he? I don't know that he's ever going to be able to get it. No, I just think this is who Russell is, and it's okay. He's a gift to all of us. If you've ever seen Russell Westbrook play live, he's a gift to all of us. But there are players He's a very rigid personality, and you, when you add the layer of intensity of the playoffs to an intense guy, did you notice how happy he appeared? Right. It was like you lifted. Do you know how bummed out MJ would be after getting out of the first round of the playoffs? Michael Jordan was still petty in his Hall of Fame speech. <laughs> Russell felt like, all right, that play. That's I think. In fact, I saw a story earlier this year from Royce Young, who covers OKC, yep, yep. and Royce said he goes. When it was Paul's team, it was a little more chill locker room. Paul got hurt. It became Russ's team. The locker room got a little tight. And because I think, I do think intense people, I think that, what's the word I'm looking for? It, it, it spreads. Like if I was really intense and a yeller it's and a screamer. It's contagious. It's yeah. contagious. Yeah. Intensity is contagious. So is chill. And I think Russell adds an intensity. I, wa I want to segue to this. The Sixers have big decisions. Embiid, Simmons, Butler, Tobias Harris can't pay all of them. 
Okay, Embiid, six treatments to be able to play. He yeah. is hurt. At 25 years old. You don't like Butler as much as me. I'm Philly. I want to keep Butler. I love but Jimmy Butler is a terrific player. Terrific. Okay, and, and you see he's their closer. He's their only, not only shot, but he has to be huge for them to be able to win this series. So yeah. I, I, I like putting the ball in his hands the way they did yesterday. No problem with Butler's game. There's no way I'm turning my franchise over to him. Number one, he'll be 30 years old in September. Okay, so signing him for four-year, a max deal, that's, I think, going to be a bad investment. And number two, we have seen, we know what he does to locker rooms. He's had trouble when he hasn't been, hasn't had the money. Like, going this year he's going into free agency and he has trouble in locker rooms. What do you think he's going to do when you empower him with a $150 million contract or something? His issues in Chicago, Minnesota, a little bit in Philadelphia, are with younger guys, guys that are younger than him that he doesn't really have to answer to. If I, I love him with the Lakers. If, he, if the Lakers end up getting Jimmy Butler, I think because LeBron is older, his stature in the league, I think Butler will respect that and won't be the cause the problems that he has in other locker rooms. I'm not turning the Sixers over to Jimmy Okay, who are you turning over to? I'm keeping my young guys. Now, I, I agree with what you're saying a bit about Embiid. I wouldn't give up on him this summer, but at some point soon, they're going to have to sit down and say, do we need to trade him prematurely? 64% of the games is a Sixer. He hasn't played. Yeah, and, and like you said, six treatments at 25 years old. You may need to move. Look, here's the thing. Ben Simmons can slide into the Joel Embiid role, and you'll be – he's not as good as Embiid at it, but you'll be fine. He can score in the post. I don't have to worry about trying to find put him on the perimeter where nobody's going to guard him. He can score down low. He can move down there around the painted area. If you double him, he's a tremendous passer, and he can get the ball off the rebound and lead the break. And if I don't get the fast break points – then in the half court, I'm playing him near the basket. You would be fine. If you can trade Embiid and get some great shooters. By the way, this is my one thing. One star. I need a star, Nate, though. Think about what injuries did to the Portland Trailblazers. Brandon Roy yeah. and Greg Oden. Or they could be the Warriors. Seriously. No, they, I mean, you, you, it, to me, I always start with availability is the beginning of ability. I love Embiid. 25, six treatments no, I, a day to get on the floor. And remember, they, they dealt with this with Andrew Bynum. They Fortunately, they didn't end up giving him the huge contract, but you saw Bynum was a, a talented player. Huge, huge talent. Thank you for listening to the Hoops on Fox podcast. Don't forget to subscribe and leave a five-star review letting us know what you think of the show.